Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K. We're at AT&T Stadium. We're, in, we're actually like in a closet in the back. <laughs> There's, we're in this weird closet by ourselves. We hope it doesn't lock after us. I think we're going to be okay. I also hope it doesn't sound like a locomotive's in the background. Yeah, I know. There's I see yeah, some sound yeah, coming out. Yeah, it's all, I mean, this, we're dealing with what we can. Uh, the, the quality of this maybe will align with the quality of the performance of the Eagles today. Um, that was... In a way, I think it was almost worse than the Saints game, to be honest, just because if you consider all the circumstances and, um, like, the Saints were just a buzzsaw. They were so good last year at that point. They were rolling. The Eagles started, like, Devontae Bosby at corner in that game, I think, or or he played most of the game, at least. That game was 48-7. to This one was 38-10, to right? 37-10. to 37-10. Um, it never really felt like they were in it. There were, like, moments where if they had hit a play, it would have gotten closer, but it, there was... Like, the Eagles have used the excuse we are one or two plays away so many times over the last two years that it got so old, and you just can't do that for these last two weeks. Um, we're going to get into the game in particular, but as we sit here right now, I, I, I wrote this. I, this is just a straight-up a bad football team. Um, they didn't do anything well in any phase of the game. When, when you do come out of this game thinking, and technically they are still in the playoff race, and Doug Peterson has come back from a lot of things in his coaching career already. But like, where where do you sit with this team right now? Do you do like, is it over? Like, I know I know it's extreme. But. I I don't think it's over. Yeah. I just don't know what the solution is. Yeah. I think I think it's not I, one thing. You know, it, there there are a lot of things wrong with this team. Uh, hey, the pass rush showed up for a minute. Uh, yeah, it was like three plays, and then it went away again. Yeah. Um. Look, this is a team. Oh, I was also listening. Oh, side note: I was listening to the, our last podcast. I said "look" probably sixty-seven times, so I'm going to try to stop. <laughs> That's funny. Um, look, Jordan Howard, Hassan Ridgeway, and Dallas. Well, not even Dallas Goddard. Yeah, so, that fumble. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'll excuse fifty-two of the fifty uh, of the forty-six players that that played in this game. <laughs> the guys that didn't. The, the Nate Herbig, he wasn't hurt and. He was inactive. Can't blame him. Poor guy. Uh, <laughs> he was the one guy. The Sharif Miller say? got in over him. Yeah. What does that say? Um, Boston Scott got some nice uh, garbage time carries well, for he, the second straight. Well, oh, he, I didn't even notice he did, honestly. Oh, and he got good yards, yeah, too. He, he, he did, kills it on he, those. He kills it, man. No one knows how to He's kill it. He might be better running back than Miles Sanders. As no right no one knows how to kill the clock in a, in a blowout loss oh, quite like Boston Scott. All right. Anyway, let's get serious <laughs> for a second. There's been a lot of talk about trade deadline deals, and you know how he's going to make one. I don't know how you can reasonably be a buyer at this point and invent... Because, look, like we said, there's multiple issues here. 
Unless Howie's planning on making like three trades at this deadline, this is not a quick or easy fix. This is beyond an extra talented player on this 53-man roster. Cool, you trade for somebody, you cut Nate Herbig, poor guy, uh, and you get him in here. Like, cool, bro. Like, But that's not enough. This secondary can't cover. Uh, the pass rush is too inconsistent. The The receiving... Look, okay... The three, the three offensive cornerstones of the receiving game for the Super Bowl team, Nelson Aguilar, Zach Ertz, and Alshon Jeffrey had one catch for six yards in the first half. That's abysmal. Like, I just, I asked Carson Wentz immediately when he started his presser. Like, you can go back and look, and I think he was surprised by the question, Immediately I go, what's your, what's your like level of trust and faith in this receiving group? And he's like, oh, it's extremely high, extremely high. Yeah. You know, I try, as you'd expect, it's not, I'm sorry. It's, I don't want to take like a, a quote and like turn it, but there's clearly something wrong, whether it's Doug Peterson who has a lack of faith or Carson Wentz who has a lack of faith. I think it's, it, it's one of those things where. Look, outside of Dallas Goddard having three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown in the first half, the receiving game was non-existent. Was one, it was two catches for three yards because Jordan Howard had a negative three er, yards. Ertz wasn't back. even targeted until the third quarter. And you know what? Honestly, he didn't make an, that much of an impact afterwards. It, it, this is like perplexing. It's like everyone's regressed. Defenses know how to plan for the offense. Offenses know how to plan for the defense. There are no adjustments. And I think you and I have both backed Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz and their play calling for a very long time. This game is completely different. It's getting harder to defend them. (laughs) It's like there's no adjustment to personnel or circumstance. If you are getting beat, adjust. If you cannot throw the ball downfield, adjust. It's... You and I were talking about this with the Philly.com guys about scheming up and creating mismatches. And it's like all of the imagination that Doug Peterson had in his first three years just dried up magically. Um, This is a team that has a a rookie running back in Miles Sanders who is constantly mismatched. And teams now know he's getting mismatched. Put Jordan Howard in there. Run some 22 personnel. Two running backs, two tight ends. So that way you can gauge what they're trying to take away and you can make them pick their poison that way i just like i don't know zach this is a team that doesn't seem to from a coverage standpoint right we talk about being frustrated from a coverage because you don't have answers there's no answers all it is is just canned oh well you know yeah they say the same things every week right so from a coverage standpoint it's hard to explain to a readership this is why this is happening this is what what they're thinking um this team doesn't have one answer for this problem and there are several problems if that makes sense so we're going to get into like everybody who deserves blame and there's a lot of people who do for where they're at right now um i think it starts with doug peterson you look at um so you look at the way they've started these games this has been a problem dating back to last season mm-hmm. the the first 15 plays of the game are scripted. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast and in our mm-hmm. stories. They just cannot figure it out. Doug Peterson, for the life of him, cannot figure out the beginning of games. And that falls entirely on him. You know, I think we've reached a point, maybe we're far past the point, where they clearly missed Frank Reich. I don't know what, how he was involved. 
in the process and how it's different than Mike Groh is involved in the process. Mike Groh is going to be the one scapegoated for all of this. And I, again, I don't think it's his fault. I don't know what he does. I just don't know what he does behind the scenes. But so just, just look at this season. So they went behind the Washington Redskins 20 to 7. They went behind the Atlanta Falcons 17 to 6. They went behind the Detroit Lions 20 to 10. They trailed the Packers 10 to 0. They trailed the Vikings 24 to 3. And they fell behind the Dallas Cowboys 27 to 7. Like that, that's double digits in the first half of how many games was that? That's one, two, three, four, five, many, six, six games. And they played seven games. Like, um, and, you know, if Doug Peterson wants to be considered this offensive mastermind that everybody was labeling him as after that year, like this is just, this is child's play. He, he is incompetent in the first half, in the first quarter, and they're in deficits. You know, I know they turned the ball over two times. That's not Doug Peterson's fault. He didn't fumble the ball. Uh, when Dallas Goddard fumbled it, and then I guess Wentz fumbled it the next drive, mm-hmm. right? You can't fumble, you can't turn the ball over two times. But they, they, this is how they they make excuses for it. They're like, well, Doug says this every week. You know, we if one play here, one play there goes. Well, you you're not making those plays. Like, it, it stops making that excuse. If you were good at this, you'd be making those plays. Call better plays. Um, and even after the the beginning of the games, and he keeps doing this. Like it's almost like they're two. Like you talked about, you don't know if it's Doug Peterson that doesn't trust the receivers or Carson. I get the sense at least that Doug Peterson doesn't because they were trailing by multiple scores in the third quarter, and there was a stretch where he ran it three times in a row with Miles Sanders on top of that. By the way, who just so clearly is worse than Jordan Howard. Like let's just call a spade a spade. He's not as good of a football player as Jordan Howard is right now, and they're they're really trying to make him happen. They're really trying to make it a thing. He he does not see holes. Um, his vision just isn't there as a rookie. And I, you know, I just think a lot of this falls on Doug Peterson. We're going to talk about Howie Roseman in a little bit. I'm sure. I think he deserves a lot of the blame for the way this roster is constructed. But like, I don't know. Doug Peterson obviously has gained himself a lot of leeway from winning that Super Bowl, and he deserved it for the run he went on and the way he bounced the team back from last year. And I wouldn't put it past him to turn it around again this year. I think he's that good of a coach. He's good at motivating this team in particular. Though feels a little like it needs a little something. Extra. I don't know if it, Zach cutting Zach Brown is not enough. Doug Peterson declaring the team's going to win is not enough. I don't know what they're going to do, but Doug Peterson deserves a lot of the blame for where they're at right now. Absolutely, I 100% agree with everything you said. Um, they are three and four, yeah. right? Like, I mean, season's not over. I let's guess keep that. that in perspective. This is an eight and eight team. Yeah, it's an eight and eight roster. That's what it is. Uh, when you take away Malik Jackson, you take away Deshaun Jackson for an extended period of time. And you just don't, like, the time to make trades was probably two weeks ago when you were having, when you had a, a two-game winning streak. They, and they, keep were, they were banking on all these guys coming back. Yeah. Uh, you can't take that to the bank, <laughs> sir. Um, but also, not to cut you off, but, like, the whole thing about them having all this depth was they were supposed to be able to cover themselves. Like, Deshaun Jackson, you know he's not going to play every game. And you can't – they went into the season, everybody was saying this was a team with maybe the best weapons in the NFL, if not one of the top five. Mm-hmm. The only difference from last year is that Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson isn't playing. Everybody else is the same, and their running backs are better. Yeah, I'd say this, this team's probably the second most disappointing team in the league outside of the, San Diego, er, the Los Angeles Chargers. And the, the Browns have been up there, too. Yeah, but Relative the Browns, to the hype. But I don't know if they that, were was, a paper that wasn't t- a deserved I hype, think they yeah. were always going to be a paper tiger. Um, but, yeah, the point but cool, being – cool, eight and eight for yeah. them, you know – um, th- there's a lot wrong with this team. And I think when you have somebody like Dallas Goddard, a guy who's been built up as a reliable, but, uh, you know, oddly used weapon, 
and he fumbles off the bat, it's like, <laughs> what more can go wrong? It, it, teams, what, teams are forcing them to go to Goddard, by the way. Yeah, and you know what's interesting to me? Everybody plays a hand in all of these woes. It's, it's not one person. It's not one you know, area. As good as Hassan Ridgeway has been in spurts, he's also, you know, he's still a, a replacement level player. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Goddard has a fumble tonight. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders is is the um, he's one of the lowest rated running backs in the NFL. Is the Jay Courtney of of this <laughs> running back rotation? They keep trying to make it happen. He had that one breakout role and in. in you know, Suicide Squad, where he wasn't the worst thing on the team, <laughs> and that's what Miles Sanders' pass catching is. Uh, but wasn't there today, though. It, it wasn't there today. I mean, he he got targeted a couple of times. Right? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the thirty you know, yard bombs. Right. Or whatever. Um, Zach Ertz. He's who, been bad. He, he. I mean, I don't even know if he's been bad as much as he's just not been a key to the he offense. Been, he hasn't been able to overcome the, the what teams are throwing at him. He was really emotional in the locker room, yeah, after, he, by the way. You could, yeah, he was on he, the verge of crying. Yeah, he there was uh, there was a lot of emotion in that voice. He kind of discussed his faith, and that was what kind of keeps him in this stuff. Um, you can tell he's frustrated he's not getting targeted more, by the way. like that, He definitely like wouldn't answer that. I think there's a lot to the criticism of him getting targeted a lot. Um last year i think that that was like a real uh sensitive issue um that said zachert's probably the best player on playmaking player on on offense uh the most consistent and so if you had to frankly at this point i'm sure everybody would love for Ertz to get targeted all the time at this point um you know like i said you had Ertz, you had Aguilar, you had uh, Jeffrey in the Super Bowl, and that was enough. Um, this is not a Nick Foles, Carson Wentz thing. Carson Wentz did very well for the first several he was, games. He was, he was amazing that year. Yeah, And those were his weapons. You know, yeah. everybody can make excuses of, oh, wow, they don't have Deshaun Jackson. Well, you know who the Deshaun Jackson was of that Tory year? Smith. Tory Smith. And everybody thought he was the weakest link until yeah. they got into the playoffs. Yeah, he was good in the playoffs. That's... Yeah. But that's the reality. Mac Hollins. Mac Hollins. Why is he on this team? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I, I'm trying to figure out who's more <laughs> detrimental to the offense's success, Nelson Aguilar or Mac Hollins. At least Nelson Aguilar, like, maybe takes away a safety every now and then. What is Mac Hollins <laughs> What is his purpose doing? on this team? I don't get and, it. And they keep playing him. In, like, almost every snap. And it's like, cool, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Look, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside had a rough week three. A rough week three. Like, objective. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had a rough week three. That doesn't mean you say, oh, well, um, I guess we should move on and not play him for the rest of the year. I, I just think making him the only the sole backup to Alshon Jeffrey is a mistake because when you lose Alshon Jeffrey, that's going to be a problem because he's going to be, you know, he's going to be cold. You know, he hasn't really been targeted. There's nothing going on there. Um I mean, outside of Cam Johnston, who and Jake, and Jake Elliott, who's been consistent on this team? Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, yeah, yeah. Even when he's had bad games, I think it was because the blocking wasn't really. Because he's a guy that needs the blocking a little more than maybe Sanders does. But. Yeah, I just Although, I like I, I can't. I'm trying yeah. to find a Pro Bowler on this team, uh, yeah. and it's, it's like not, uh, Brandon Brooks, I guess. I don't know, but the offensive, yeah, the offensive line was bad tonight. Yeah, they weren't good. Lane Johnson. Okay, so let, let's start. Yeah, Lane, Lane Johnson let's, got beat. Let's start blaming some people, and we'll start with Lane Johnson. Um, you know, he he's he's as self aware of as anybody mm-hmm. on the roster, and that's why he's such a good 
for our sake, good guy to talk to after a loss. And he, he immediately was like, I wish I could have that back. It was, so the play was, it was in the second drive, I believe. Yes. He, he, by the way, he had never given up a sack to Demarcus Lawrence. Right. They've, they've talked trash in the past. Like, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was really early in this game, and he, he got beat really bad. Demarcus Lawrence had a strip sack. The Cowboys recovered it. Um, I believe later in the first half, he gave up a tackle for loss to Demarcus mm-hmm. Lawrence. He had a really bad penalty later in the, in the second half that basically forced the Eagles to kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were at the nine-yard line, and he got a 10-yard penalty. Um, Bummer. You just can't, you can't have that sort of game from him. You know, I, we thought the focus was going to be on how Andre Dillard plays. And I, I, I know he, maybe there's some plays he didn't look great, but I noticed Lane Johnson screwing up way more than I noticed Andre Dillard screwing up. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, who's, who's anybody else? Somebody else that caught your eye? Into well, the I, I just, you know. We talk about Nelly. Let's talk about Nelson, yeah. right? So, so I, I, I wrote a story about there's a play that kind of everybody on social media kind of latched onto because it's kind of looked like a few of the plays that he's had this year where Carson Wentz targets him downfield. It looks like he has leeway to the ball. And he, it looks like it appears like we don't know we're not down on the field. It looks like he slows up and either doesn't dive for the ball or lost, lost it in the sky or he's just not good at tracking it. Like, I don't know what the issue is, but there was another one like that. Um, the Eagles were down by 20. They had just had an interception. Like, if they were going to come back, it was going to start here. Nelson, it falls in front of Nelson Aguilar, and then the Eagles turned it over on the next play. Yeah. Um, I was talking to another writer about this. I think maybe it had something to do with tracking the ball. He just didn't track the ball well. But, uh, yeah, it's not a good look. Um, I think he needs a change of scenery. I think that's evident. Um, yeah. And you know what that said? He's not even like the fifth worst thing about this game. Like, you can't fumble on that first drive. It looked like they actually scripted God, a time about Goddard's fumble. Yeah, they scripted plays very, very well. Did Goddard make up for it later on? With he had a nice touchdown, but yeah, I mean Carson Wentz. They were in a hole. They were in a hole already at that point, though, right. because of the fumble. Um, you know, you you got to put it on the receiving group. I mean, I think there were penalties. Man, uh, so Miles bad. Sanders uh, had a. Like on on the third kickoff, he inexplicably took it out of the end zone. Oh yeah, uh, gave the the offense terrible field position. Um, I believe they still scored on that drive, but it, you know it's one of those things where they got luck. They lucked out by two personal foul calls. Um, I mean, I think Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz deserves a lot of blame for this. Uh, they could not get off the field. And it's like there's no adjustment. They don't change their approach. They they blitz at awkwardly weird times. It's just nothing worked. And his group as a whole did not play well. I mean, Prescott completed 21-27 passes. That's 77.8% of his passes. This is one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, un. un- I mean, it's hard to question Like, if you that. look at the only teams worse than them, they're among the worst teams in the NFL. So, Um... You know, I thought Jalen Mills played relatively okay. For his first game back, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, he had a nice interception there in the end zone that didn't matter. Um, uh, Carson. You know, like, it's just Fletcher Cox finally had his first sack of the season. And he he forced a fumble, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, the pass rush got there, but it didn't seem like they were in opportune moments. The running game did not play as well as they normally have. Uh, they gave up 111 rushing yards and a touchdown to Zeke. They gave up 
Uh, Tavon Austin had that 20-yard touchdown where Orlando Skandrick, like, just decided not to try and tackle well, him. Well, I mean, it was a tough match. I mean, he got turned around. That was, a, like, but there Tavon was, Austin's got speed for days. I mean, I, I'm I, not going to make an excuse for Skandrick. It, Skandrick it is, didn't look very good out there. Yes, general, he did not. Say. Yeah, he it was he, not. There were a lot of jokes about him being a double agent for his old team. Yeah, well, that seems to always be the case when the Eagles sign, like, a former Yeah, that's Yeah, that's right. It's pretty rare that a cowboy. former Cowboy works out. Um, Tony Pollard had a few nice runs. Yeah. Uh, Dak Prescott uh, had... Improbably an eight-yard gain on a QB sneak. Yeah, they were trying to get rough. one yard. They just couldn't tackle him. The tackling was bad. Yeah, I mean, look, I we said it in the preview. Nathan Gary was going to get run over, and that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what, happened. what happened. Yeah, uh, Camus did not play that all that well. Malcolm Jenkins didn't play well. Yeah, he had a rough night. Um, I mean, just all around, man. Sandejo made a couple of nice plays, but like again, like it's just a group loss. Like this is really a team loss, and I thought it was interesting after the game. Doug Peterson took full blame. And I kind of hate when coaches do that. Like, like say, just say it, Just man. say what's wrong. <laughs> John Mayer said, say what you need to say, okay? <laughs> and, like, do it, dude. Like, for real. Like, that's very frustrating for somebody who has to cover this team. It's like, no, say you just didn't block very well. Save it. Carson needs to throw it. It's, and, and you know what? Actually, don't just say they need to do better. Why do they need to do better? Also, when you're going to say, oh, it's fixable, how are you going about fixing it? Everybody says you haven't fixed it yet. Yeah, you clearly don't have a clue. Like, what are they doing during practice during the week? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. They've got a really good music selection, though, I will say that. Like, you would, you understand, like, the the day-to-day and the X's and O's and stuff better than I do. Like, what are... Offensively, aren't they spending most of the time scripting those first 15 plays, by the way? Not to, like, go back on that. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of install, but... the, the problem for them is is not the instant. Right? So they're going up against a bad passing defense in practice. Yeah, good point. So I'm wondering if like they just have a lot of really you know a, a lot of confidence based on what they're doing yeah, against yeah. a really bad passing defense. Look, this team is talented. This is all execution stuff. Like I don't see this as being like so. Wow, it's coaching. Well, no, I execute. I mean. Doug Peterson's not out there fumbling yeah. the ball. Okay, fair. That's fine. Um, does he need to get them more prepared? Sure. But, I, like, these turnovers are just, like... They had, they had four turnovers. Uh, Wentz had a... By the time Wentz had his interception, the game was pretty much over. Yeah, I mean, he had two fumbles, too. I mean, he had three turnovers. So we, we, we haven't talked about Wentz yet. What would you make of his performance tonight? It's hard to blame him, but he didn't look he good in the second half. He was more so the problem than he had been in previous Yeah, yeah okay, that's a good way of putting it. Um... But he doesn't deserve all of the blame, which he'll get from some people in our Sure. City. <laughs> I mean, I got an email already from a guy who complained about me praising him against the Vikings when I actually thought he played relatively well. Uh, he's like, I can't wait to hear your excuses. I was like, I, bro, I don't have any excuses. Not that I had them to begin with. Sometimes, like, you have to kind of take something for face value. He had a brilliant throw to Dallas Goddard uh, for that touchdown pass, that 28-yard. Like, brilliant throw. Like, he has one of those maybe once a game. Um, but realistically, overall, I didn't think he did enough to to move this team. We've said it before; he's not the guy, type of guy that's going to will a team down the field. Aaron Rodgers hasn't really even been that guy lately either. Um, he's like he needs help. Like it, it is what it is. Um, I think there are people that are so defensive of Carson that it's become kind of a complex. You know, certain bloggers, you know, tend to tend to really hone in on that. Uh, and then I also think there's on the flip side of the coin, I think there are people that criticize him very, very much 
and don't have the context to kind of say, well, you know, they weren't good. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I'm very tired. Yeah, it's, but, uh, uh, it's pretty late. Look, I don't know if you change up your personnel. I don't know if you make trades. Let's talk about that. Cause well, like, so so I, I wanted to end on the Harry Roseman discussion. So I made a list in my story uh, from the gun of like all the veteran players that the Eagles have signed or traded for basically since the start of the offseason. Um, I'll list them off, and then <laughs> you can just see how it looks. So Malik Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, LJ Fort, Andrew Sandejo, Vinnie Curry, Jordan Howard, Hassan Ridgeway, Zach Brown, Stefan Wisniewski, Timmy Jernigan, Jonathan Cyprian, Blake Countess, Duke Riley, Paul Warlow, Rudy Ford, and I put credit to James in there. Uh, of that group, I think you could only say that Howard and Ridgeway exceeded expectations. Maybe James, but that was only one game, really. Um, the two Jacksons have been hurt all year. You kind of knew that was coming with Deshaun. You can't, it's hard to like blame the Eagles for the Malik thing, though. That is tough. Uh, Jernigan's been hurt. I think Curry's been fine, like what you expected. He's met expectations. The rest of them have either not met them or are not on the team anymore. LJ Ford is like playing well on defense for the Ravens, by the way. Um, Zach Brown was a was a disaster. Rudy Ford has been kind of way worse on special teams than the Eagles have needed him to be. He was pretty bad tonight. Yeah, um, he's hit some penalties. Yeah, which rough. is kind of an issue. Um, so the point being, like Howie Roseman has all those guys I just listed, besides maybe Craig James and maybe Rudy Ford, are have been in the league for a while, are close to thirty. Um, in theory, they signed them because they can help right away or something like. But Howie Roseman just struck out this offseason. I think it's we, it's only week seven. I think you can say that. Um, the Jordan Howard trade looks like a really, really good one. So is the Ridgeway um, trade. But this like ties into last year where the only good moves they made were probably Michael Bennett. Um, is there anyone else? I mean, the Golden Tate trade was a disaster. Cam Johnston. Cam Johnston. But that, that, he was a guy that was like in training camp with them the year before, so I don't really give him that much. And he's a punter. Listen, like, the point his being, name like, is Cam Johnston. Like, so Howard Roseman did an awesome job. I, I don't know if Joe Douglas or he deserves the credit for all the guys they, they uncovered that year, Patrick Robinson, guys like that. But he just has done a poor job of building this depth chart. They have the core pieces of Fletcher Cox and Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz and Lane Johnson and, and Jason Kelsey. But he just has not done a good job of building this roster to be prepared for every situation like he should be. Um, and I don't know if it, like they, they need to make trades if they want to make a run at this division or a wild card or whatever. But is it really worth trading draft picks for guys that are probably going to leave after this season? You know, if it's Emmanuel Sanders or Chris Harris, they're going to be free agents. Um, and so you're trading these draft picks and maybe, <laughs> I don't know if this team needs to rebuild, but I don't know if it's a good idea to be trading away draft picks right now. I, I know I said they should have traded two first for Jalen Ramsey. Maybe this is why they didn't. Maybe he didn't think this was, this team was good enough to make a run. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I think, I think I, we don't know, obviously, what goes on in Howie Roseman's head. Um, but he's kind of in a pickle here. So he didn't trade for Jalen, and we said that, you know, he's got to draft well, and that's the only way that not trading for Jalen makes it worth it. Well, he hasn't drafted well overall. <laughs> and, you know, you have to think to yourself, do I get maybe – two guys to come in here and is that enough to make the playoffs because if I don't make the playoffs I'm going to be criticized heavily for trading a fourth and a third even though I'm going to probably spend it on a guard who sits on the bench for two two years and whatever (laughs) Whatever. um so I think like he's got to weigh that 
And he's really got to look in the mirror because this was a team that he really felt was ready to win and, and contend for an NFC title and get back to the Super Bowl. And it's not. Um, you know, I think something we don't talk about, obviously the Golden Tate trade was very heavily criticized in hindsight. Uh, but how much more would it have been criticized had they not made the playoffs and not won that first uh, round? Yeah, because he, he had that play against the Bears. So if you right. remove that, there's no positive out of that. Right. Yeah. So, like, imagine that, and they trade for somebody and it doesn't work out. I mean, like, that's a lot of criticism to take, and maybe it's unnecessary criticism to heave onto yourself. If you don't think the team's good enough, why are you going to give away future assets? Everybody's talked about how much he wants to protect compensatory picks and all this other garbage. Uh, enough of that. Enough. We're learning enough. that, like, just go get guys. Yeah, it, stop being cute. Yeah. Um... I've never really bought into the whole compensatory. I think it's smart, but like not when it's to your detriment. Yeah, and I, I mean think it's a late third. It's like basically a fourth round pick if you at the best. Yeah. The Nick Foles thing that makes sense. If you if you lose a guy that is going to get exponential money, go for it. But the fact that you just cut LJ Fort so you could pick up a six or a fifth round pick or whatever, that's banana pants to me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's clown shoes, and you know clearly that was a you know a mistake. I mean it. If they cut Zach Brown this past week, they clearly had some issues with him earlier than that. And you cut LJ Fort two weeks earlier. Well, and, and beyond that, like, so instead of only signing guys that don't impact the compensatory formula, go and get Zadarius Smith. Go and pay money for Shaquille Barrett. Try, buy low on a guy like that. Like, they, they just didn't sign any of those guys, clearly because they didn't want to win. And the only guys they signed were LJ Ford and Anderson Tejo. They've already cut one of them. Well, and part of that, too, is you want to make sure that you're prepared for Carson's contract, and Carson's contract's going to eat away. It's the reason why everybody talks about the, the, the Super Bowl window, because once you get a quarterback, you've got they to might pay that They might already be out of the window, by the way. <laughs> Which is fair. I mean, you know, I think that this team is headed towards a rude awakening. I think this has a lot of, you know, there were some inflated dollars here, and the recession's coming, and it's going to be bad. Um, so, so to land on this, do you think between now and the Bills, the Bills who are five and one, by the way, um, between now and that game, do you think the Eagles make a trade, or do you think they wait until after that game I and do, see if they lost that? And okay, we're. I do now. think they'll make a trade before that game. Now the like, deadline's like two days after the Bills game. By right the way. now's the time. If you're gonna make the trade, make it. Do it now, yeah. Monday or Tuesday, Bef- and before like values, before the numbers go up. Because once you get close, I, I never understood why. Teams wait until the second before the deadline to make deals. If you're a buyer, you should trade before the deadline. If like, you're a seller, wait until the last spot. Yeah, right, because yeah. then you have your leverage. Yeah. Um, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the idea of Emmanuel Sanders. He feels like how he type move. Maybe you try and do Aguilar and a pick for I him. I also on. like him better yeah. for this offense than I do. I mean, he's a, pro, he's a veteran who's not going to make mistakes. <laughs> they, and need, I th- they, need, they need men in the room. And Chris Harris fi- factors into you know the whole, hey, I know you thing that Joe Douglas brought here. Which I think is asinine. Um, <laughs> so with that said, they're going to have to make a few moves to make this really worth their their while. And now if they can get them, you know, remember we talked about not having to win trades, but getting the right guys in here. They've got to be good fits. Emmanuel Sanders, from what I've seen from afar, is a really swell fella. Uh, same with uh, Chris Harris. Don't make funny faces at me here. Is that your contacts that you're trying to figure out? Um uh, anyway, uh, I think we're going to wrap up here, but do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, um, 
I think I pretty much ranted all I could for the night. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll end on that note. Uh, let us know what you guys think after this loss, how you're feeling about this team going forward, who you think they should trade for in, in the comments. Um, thanks for listening. We'll hit you guys another podcast later this week. Maybe an emergency one if they make a major trade. You know, I know you guys love a good emergency podcast. Um, maybe somebody gets fired or released this week. I don't know. But we'll end on that note. And uh, thanks for listening, guys.